0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting,
1: fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this. uh, It's a sunny Saturday up in my palatial, outside my palatial studios here in Fort Collins. And uh, I guess we're going to have a few days of rain coming up, and we need it. Uh, we need the moisture. We'll talk about that off and on during the show, how it's going to affect fishing, hunting, camping, and those things. Uh, but uh, we need the moisture, and but there'll still be plenty of times in between the rain to get out, and we've still got lots of great days coming. Remember, the great fall, summer weather here stretches well, well into October, November a lot of times. So we're going to have lots of good things. We're going to talk a lot of fishing today. We're going to talk some shooting, too, getting you ready for hunting season. And uh, we will actually talk some hunting with Nate Zelensky. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. If you enjoy this show, follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We do a lot of things on our Facebook page. We we set the stage a lot of times for what we're going to talk about by putting articles or reports from the field or uh, tidbits about somebody who's coming on, or, or we may... Uh, host a podcast from uh, the previous week or a television or video show from our YouTube channel. If you're in the area and you're learning to fish Colorado, you need to take a look at The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube. We did 22 seasons of television. About half those shows were filmed right in your backyard here. A number of them were filmed, you know, Costa Rica, Alaska, the Arctic Circle, we traveled the world. But about half of them were filmed right here in your backyard. And we're going to talk about some of the lakes that are on those shows today. Speaking about that, let's go right to the phones. And joining us is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Oh, always great. You're a tremendous resource. Uh, You know, everybody talks about the dog days of summer. And sometimes fishing gets tougher in some lakes. Sometimes it just gets different And then there's always the altitude, the higher mountain lakes and rivers in Colorado. So really, there shouldn't be a dog day if you're willing to put in the time and figure out where and how you want to fish, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, coming from somebody like myself that's lived in Colorado my whole life and and gone through all the different types of fishing, I've often said that being a well-rounded angler, being fly fishing, conventional fishing, shore fishing, boat fishing, all of the above help to catch fish throughout the seasons and put more fish in hand throughout the entire year.
1: Let's talk, I want to talk about some of the other areas, but let's start with the metro. And some of the metro lakes can get tough this time of the year, and some of them are producing quite well. Kind of take me through what you're seeing there.
2: Yes. So I guide on both Chadfield and Cherry Creek and have been out on both of those bodies of water over the last little bit. So we'll start on Cherry Creek. So right now we're seeing a big algae bloom out there, just like we do in a lot of the Eastern Plains lakes that don't have a ton of flow this time of year. And although that can affect the fishing some, uh, that really is not the contributing factor to why the fishing is a bit slower out there. What is the contributing factor are the gizzard shad that are the little babies that come out over the open water. So in the early Part of the year, uh, the shad will spawn. The large adult gizzard shad and all their small babies are now in the middle of the lake in large numbers. And those walleyes are schooled up and chasing those fish. And although a lot of pictures in, in people's head, like you think of saltwater fishing where you find the big bait ball and you can catch the fish underneath it, well, that's just not the case when it deal when you're dealing with just absolute insane numbers of these shad and these walleye pull off the structure and they suspend under them, and a lot of times the trolling can be very good, but right now at Cherry Creek we're experiencing a lot of grass that has released from the south end, and it is really fouling up planar boards going across the main portion of the lake, so it's been pretty challenging out there.
1: Yeah, and Cherry Creek is different. Now, some of the lakes in Colorado, you can fish those shad boils for white bass and wipers yes. and some walleyes under them, but Cherry Creek just has an insane amount, and it's it's always been a tough end-of-summer August, July type lake. Then it gets, it can get better again in the fall. What about Chatfield? So Chatfield, we're a little bit different right now. So we're still having a lot less shad in Chatfield
2: than you'd be seeing in a place like Cherry Creek. So the fish are still sitting on a lot of our main lake structure points. And what I mean by that are your road beds that you have, your different main lake humps, and with that being an old gravel pit, there's lots of edges of the gravel pits that are submerged out there. And if you can use your sonar to find those types of fish on those edges, you can really uh, make a lot of hay and catch a lot of fish with things like a jig and a leech, a jig and a crawler, but also things like a Johnny Darter or a Johnson Thin Fisher blade bait, which are both some of my favorite techniques. And especially with a few shad in the lake, but not crazy numbers, those bait fish imitations are fantastic. And then slipping over to the smallmouth, that's a nice secondary option or first option, depending upon who you talk to out there. But the top water action has been fantastic. Things like whopper ploppers and uh, casting small poppers could be good. But then even things like Sankos have been very productive for those smallmouth along the rocks, which give a, a shore angler a great opportunity rather than trying to hit these main offshore structure points.
1: Well, you know, talk about those main off structure. I fish both the smallmouth and the walleyes on the edges of those gravel pits. And what I used to find is if you were out early in the morning, they'd be kind of right on top of the edge of the gravel pit. And then yep. on a calm day, as the sun came up, they'd slide down the edge a little bit. Is that what you find?
2: Definitely. And, and making sure you have a down imaging turned on on your sonar rather than just the standard 2D helps to pick up those fish that are right on the edge that just the edge of your sonar cone is being able to see.
1: You're right, because otherwise all you're going to see is the highest point on your exactly. sonar, which would be We're just a little bit coming up on the side. Yeah, which would be the edge. You know, one lake we haven't talked about in a while, and I haven't talked to you you about this for a while. What's happening at Aurora? So Aurora Reservoir, there are no shad in
2: that lake. Uh, you're dealing with a, the main uh, forage base being Yellow Perch. And that lake's also very unique in how deep and clear it is versus some of these other metro impoundments. So a lot of the walleyes are being caught even in as deep as 40 feet of water out there, which is definitely something that is very foreign when you're talking about especially Cherry Creek. But going in... Pulling around bottom bouncers and crawlers has honestly been the, the best bet out there, although some folks have been catching some suspended fish on perch crankbaits, like a shad wrap or a flicker shad, uh, utilizing lead core, and then obviously still that electric motor as well. And then uh, same with that same technique, the, there's a, some really fantastic trout fishing in that lake due to the fact that they can get underneath that heat and the surface of the water and get down deeper. But if you're running those, those flicker shads on that lead, you'll often catch trout well over 20 inches
1: yeah I know i want it's a tremendous fishery Aurora is both from shore and a boat, and it fishes so different than the other lakes it's and it's of course electric motors only it really gives an option, but it's great for shore. I want to go back to chatfield. Have you heard much about the catfish there? I typically don't. Uh, You know, every once in a while
2: I I talk to anglers that go out and have a little bit of success here and there. But as far as the catfish are concerned, unfortunately, I do not have a fantastic report uh, on those guys. But I think largely due to the fact that a lot of people are just simply not uh, targeting them with uh, a degree of of, a lot of other people are casting out there and they're, they're trying for them. But I mean, really targeting them, I don't hear of a lot of people doing it.
1: But, you know, all through the Front Range, there's quite a few catfish. And, you know, yeah. we get these hot days. Um, you know, it's a great going, going out in the evening just as it's getting dark when it's cooling off. And a lot of times the storms have rolled through already and set up on shore. And you can sometimes get some very large catfish. Let's head up into the mountains a little bit. I know you were up there with a good friend of ours, Chad Lachance, filming for his television show uh, yesterday. What did you see up there?
2: Had a great day up there getting up out of the heat. Uh, we started off up on Joe Wright Reservoir, which is a very fun body of water. And we went and were throwing small jigging wraps for grayling. And as crazy as that sounds, a lot of people think that grayling only eat little bugs. But they're a very uh, excitable fish. And throwing, it's in the same exact way we fish for walleyes, but the little small size three jigging wraps. We made hay on grayling. In about an hour and a half, we had 30 fish in hand and had our TV show shot. Uh, So casting them out, letting them sink down, and snapping them back up and letting it fall and repeating that process all the way back from shore was very effective yesterday for those grayling. But there's many different ways you can catch those fish,
1: too. Well, the grayling, too. You were fishing from shore or did you have some kind of a craft?
2: We were from shore,
1: yeah, and, you know, that's such an incredible lake. People don't realize that lake really hasn't been it, – it's the end of June before that lake thaws out, and those fish are yes. still coming coming back from the spawn. There's both grayling and uh, cutthroat trout in that lake. They're just coming back in that river, in fact – you can't even fish that river because of spawning fish till what, the 1st of August? Is that right? 1st of August, yeah. And basically the whole design of,
2: of how that, that closure sits there is just to make sure that those fish don't get touched in the inlet at all. Because all of those fish almost at once will move up into that inlet area, at least the grayling. And the state utilizes that lake like they do Chatfield or Cherry Creek for walleyes, but they, they net the grayling in the river, artificially inseminate the eggs, and then stock them in various other places, like on the Grand Mesa or in the Flat Tops or at Pearl Lake uh, near Steamboat.
1: You know, and another great way, if you're if you're not a – you can, you know, get snagged a little bit push, fishing like a jigging wrap or a Johnny Darter, Um it's a great way to catch fish. You can catch them on little spinners too and small spoons, yes. but they do have a small mouth. A fly is still a great way to catch them, but a oh, yeah. fly rod from shore, a fly rod from shore will catch them. But I've always found that they're always about 20 feet beyond my cast of a fly rod from shore. So I'll go out in a like a float tube or a canoe or a kayak. But if you take a fly in a bubble at Joe Wright from shore you can get good casting distance it's very easy to rake in fact if you go to my youtube channel the best of fishing with terry wickstrom there are two shows on joe Wright. and one of them i just stand on shore with a fly in a bubble a little green uh nymph below the bubble you could use a uh, a little green caddis nymph or uh, an elk, a small elk care caddis use small flies and you can catch fish all day long and never move from a spot. You'll see them rising, exactly. and you'll see them stop rising. But it's really easy to do, and it's a great place for people to go and just have fun.
2: Absolutely. And and uh, it's something, too, where that lake right now, it, it is a water source lake uh, for, I believe, Fort Collins. <laughs> But that lake uh, will get drawn down significantly in the fall, which gives a fly fisherman a bit more opportunity from shore, at least on back cast. Right now we're on full pool. So trying to get any kind of distance with a roll cast can be challenging. So that's really where that fly in a bubble comes in, uh, at least if you're standing on shore.
1: And you know what? There's nothing wrong with harvesting a few of those grayling. They're very prolific in that lake. There's a lot of them. If you want to experience taking a different fish home, they probably could stand to be called out a little bit.
2: There's a lot of small ones up there, and that's part of the reason why they've done tiger muskie stocking up there, and then they've also stocked a handful of female lake trout that get large and can eat those grayling, but then obviously are not reproducing. So that is certainly something that uh, uh, harvesting a few of those grayling uh, is not going to hurt anything at all up there.
1: Now, you also told me you fished the Laramie River when you were up there yesterday. How did that yes, go? did. Yeah, so we adjusted, and and
2: Chambers Lake had a lot of crowds. The Laramie had a few, but less than than Chambers. And the Laramie was was quite productive. Uh, Certainly one thing I can say is if you're heading up there, uh, bug spray can be very effective. Uh, There's a lot of mosquitoes. But we utilized a brand-new bait from Berkeley that's called a Berkeley Hit Stick, and it is designed to mimic the action of a balsa crankbait at about half the price, and also, uh, it's plastic, so it's much more durable, and you're not breaking lips off on them. But we were running little size 5 and size 7 hit sticks in the river and catching some very nice little brown trout. Uh, but that river up there is gorgeous. Uh, there's certainly uh, access in Wyoming. And there's access in Colorado right there as well. And uh, you could fly fish that, dry dropper central up there. You can get after them with uh, a little humpy or a, a little small Stelcups hopper. And a PMD nymph down below, or a caddis for that matter. But we were utilizing the Berkeley baits and getting some great reaction strikes from some gorgeous 14 to 16 inch browns.
1: Well, wow, and it's a it's a river that I don't think that gets the attention of some of the other rivers near. You know that whole area, Joe Wright Chambers, um, North Michigan, the rivers that flow around North Michigan, Laramie River. There's just a great area, and you know it's you take Highway 14 up that canyon. And there's a lot of opportunities. And with people getting out, they can spread out a little bit more out there. Austin, we're out of no. time. If people want to talk to you, get more information, how do they find you?
2: So I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle, which uh, is just south of Evans in Denver. You can always talk to me there. But uh, walleye93 at gmail.com gets me direct.
1: All right. And, of course, you guide on a lot of local lakes, so not only can you give information, but you can take people out and teach them. Austin, thank you so much for joining us. As always, great information.
2: Thank you, Terry. I certainly appreciate it.
1: You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, serving the outdoor public for 65 years. Everything you need for fishing, kayaking, hiking, hunting, camping, even grilling. Stop by. Tell them you heard about them on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Walt Pru. Good morning, Walt. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. You know, Walt, um, until this year, we had been seeing to us that are so embedded in the outdoors and that believe in the culture of the outdoors and the value system, we'd seen a, a decline in overall outdoor participation. We'd gone from an agrarian society to an urban society, and more, there was more, more split families. And people weren't getting out, both because they didn't know how and were teaching them, but they also didn't have access. Well, Parks and Wildlife is really dedicated to get people out fishing, hunting, camping, and shooting. And along with that, they've put a lot of money into facilities. And you happen to just be at one of the uh, probably best world-class facilities in the state. Tell us about it.
0: Hey, you're talking about the Cameo Shooting and Education Complex, and you're right. This whole place is is dedicated to the proposition that we need to reverse that generational trend and, and the education portion of the name is, is a true integral part of what we do here. It's, it's not just a shooting range. The, the goal, the ambition here is to, is to bring in underrepresented groups, uh, you know, that, that did, hadn't historically been introduced to, to hunting, fishing, recreational shooting, that sort of thing. Now, where is it located? We're about 15 minutes east on I-70 from, from Grand Junction. Just just east of Palisade,
1: on yeah, and it's yeah, it's a beautiful facility describe the the facility and the amenities you have there well, how much time have we got <laughs> it's it's <1800 laughs> I know you and i have you and I have spent hours on the <laughs> phone talking about it, so I know <laughs> it's eighteen hundred plus or minus acres uh squarely
0: situated in very rugged terrain. But oddly enough, it's worked well for us to compartmentalize this into sort of a shooter's Disney world, if you will. Uh, it, it, we've got Phase 1A is a 25-bay action shooting pavilion with public access for rifle and pistol pursuits, long-range rifle pursuits, archery bays, and then 13 dedicated event and training bays for hosting competitions and and civilian training, military training, law enforcement training. We've got a very large area that we call the bench or the terrain park that has been developed into a long-range precision rifle course uh, with targets all the way up to 2,000 yards and a precision rifle series course, which is similar but different. Uh, we're developing a mountain bike biathlon sport here, and we've already built the shooting stadium for that. We just opened up two sporting clays courses and are about to open the five stand portion of that in about a month or so. Uh, it, and, and everything intermingled between those discipline-wise, dozens and dozens of, of opportunities. Uh, and, and lest I forget, we, we've currently got three really, really good 3D archery loops and we'll be opening up at least two and perhaps even three more to, to all be open at the
1: same time. Now, before I want to move on to more of the shooting, and by the way, you mentioned biathlon. We've had um, Colorado represent uh, the United States in the Olympic biathlon several times. There's a couple of young ladies from Colorado that have just dominated that sport in the U.S. They've been tremendous. Um, but I want to talk about the archery. We're coming up on archery season very quickly, and everybody goes and and stands in a static archery range, and they practice. They stand at 40 yards, whatever they think their range is, 30 yards, 20 yards, 40 yards. Well, a couple things happen. First of all, the shot is never at 30 yards. It's at 32 or 27. So one of the things we recommend is moving back and forth a little bit. Know your bow and your your capabilities, but you never get to make that straight-on shot when you're in the field that's where the 3D ranges because the animal will always be turned a little different, your footing will be a little different. I'm just a huge believer in those 3D archery ranges.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. And and to be able to be on some varying terrain and And have one foot higher than the other or in such a position where you have to make a little bit of a lean to get the shot. You've got a spot where perhaps you've got a rock behind the target. You can change your position slightly to keep from sacrificing an arrow when you take the shot. It it really, just as you say, gives you real-world field opportunities for for engaging
1: animals in the field uh, with a bow. Let's talk a little bit about the rifle, you know, rifle hunting seasons aren't that far away. If I want to come in and sight in my rifle, what am I going to find and what's it going to cost me?
0: Uh, day pass for an adult is $12 that gets you all day access to the rifle, pistol and archery ranges. It's $3 for a youth, 17 and under. Uh and we have what's called a buddy pass. So if a person brings a friend, uh they get a they get a $2 discount for each entry. So for $20, two adults can come in uh and and shoot all day long at our 100 yard bays or our 200 yard bay which have fixed target backers like you would see at a typical organized public rifle range we provide targets we provide staplers Uh, the backers are always set up and and cleaned off every night so you can go down staple up your targets and in each of our rifle bays we have at least one target backer at 50 percent of that distance so for example if you want to sight in your rifle at 100 yards, but you want to start at 50 to get on paper, then then you'd just go to the bench that corresponds with the the 50 yard target and uh, and and then move out to the 100. Or conversely, if you want to sight in at 200, but you want to check your 100 yard position, we have a 100 yard target on the 200 yard bay as well. And now, then that's, also that's the add, let me add, on, on the mountainside behind our back berm, the mountain is actually our back berm. We have steel targets up on the hillside that you can engage uh, from different positions uh, near the shooting benches as long as you don't go past the safety line and, and, and take quasi real-world shots at 12-inch by 12-inch targets all the way out to 600 yards up on the hillside.
1: Yeah, that's, in the, that's that's amazing. When You also talked about your precision rifle. That's becoming quite out to 2,000 yards. I have some good friends over here at one of our sponsors, Trigger Time, that get into that. And uh, that precision shooting out to 2,000 yards, that's incredible. How do I know if I hit that thing 2,000 yards away?
0: <laughs> that's a great question. If if the wind is calm, you can actually hear the report back from the 2,000 yards. It's all steel targets. You can hear the report back when you hit it. It takes about eight seconds for the sound to come back to you. But very seldom do we have windless conditions here. So we've actually employed... Uh, target hit reactor uh, or reactive hit indicators that are a red flashing strobe light that that peeks around the edge of the target. And you can see with the naked eye when you get a hit at 2,000 yards, it flashes at you.
1: Now, one thing we haven't talked about is the pistols and, well, two things, pistols and the sporting clays. The sporting clays are new. Before I ask you about your sporting clays, with the pistol range, um, a lot of people are buying handguns now both for self-defense and for recreational shooting, do you have any groups or anybody out there that offer classes? Yeah, there are a
0: number of what we call user groups that that have their their little uh, stands with the business cards in here and flyers, and they're acknowledged on the on the informational website, uh, introducing you know introduction to, to shooting classes and CCW classes, all different levels of training from beginner to intermediate to expert. Uh, and, and we I think we've got a dozen user groups that do that sort of thing. Yeah, there's plenty of opportunity for that. And you're right. We are seeing a tremendous influx of people that are new to shooting, and particularly handguns, uh, just in the last
1: few months. Now, we're going to run out of time here real quick, but I want to touch. Tell me about the the recent addition, the Sporting Clays. Yeah, we're pretty proud of that.
0: <laughs> we, we just opened two sporting clays courses one is a short course it's eight positions each of which has three throwers for it then we have a longer course that's 15 positions and it's about three quarters of a mile long and it it has 15 positions each of which have two throwers Uh, a person can spend all day shooting shooting both of those courses and and they were they were set up the target setting was done by neil chadwick who is internationally famous as the target setter for, like, 23 national sporting clays championships. When he came here and started doing our setup, he was just absolutely blown away at the opportunities that he had given our geography here. So they're absolutely stunning scenery and world-class presentations.
1: Now, we are out of time, but if I want to come out there, do I need a reservation or can I just show up?
0: You just show up, walk through the door, and, and we'll get you fixed up. It's exit 45, and the, the website for information is CameoSEC.org. Give that website again, please. Cameo, C-A-M-E-O, S-E-C, which stands for Shooting and Education Complex, dot org. CameoSEC.org.
1: Sounds like a, just a tremendous facility. I have to get out there and check it out and shoot myself. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Walt Pru. What a tremendous facility to have right here in Colorado. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. You know, when you need something outdoors, Jack's is there for you. All right. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you're kayaking, fishing, hunting, camping, even grilling. Stop by one of Jack's five locations. They've got everything you need. Let's go right to the phones, and somebody who will, even if the clouds roll in, will put sunshine in our day. She's from Bar Lake, Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle.
3: Good morning, Terry. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, and uh, I bet you you're doing pretty good out there, too. You've got a beautiful park out there. Sometimes, well, I used to say, your park gets a little underutilized. People don't recognize it, but that's kind of changed this year, hasn't it?
3: Yes, we've been super busy. There's been lots of people getting outside. We've enjoyed seeing everybody.
1: And if, you know, and just as a side note, before we get to what's going on, um, you guys still, I'm telling everybody in the parks. You know, a lot of people have different work schedules or working at home. Take advantage of these things during the week because there's a little less crowds and sometimes a little more. Uh, you can, have a little more fun so weekdays are a little better i would expect right
3: yeah so come out on the week weekdays it's not as busy as the weekends. you know we're open seven days a week to come out and enjoy the vast outdoors
1: now that being said you have stuff going on all the time and i want to get to some of your programs and things but let's first of all what's the water condition bar lake is a an irrigation lake we've had a lot of hot dry weather i would assume you're getting drawn down pretty heavily
3: yeah, the boat ramp is still open, so that's good news. Um, they are taking out a lot of water. We got rain the last two days, so that's that's a, a good thing. Um, so is, always check our Facebook or our website for conditions. But our boat ramp is still open. Um, it's a good idea to always um, be aware of shallow areas um, because the water levels are going down. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, we could be the boat ramp could hopefully last till the end of August. We'll just have to wait and see.
1: Right, and we are predicted to get some pretty good rain the next few days. We'll see how that goes. But even then, of course, shore fishing is always great out there. Um, I've heard the fishing overall, they've been catching some big wipers out there.
3: They have. You know, this year we've really seen some big wipers, walleye. Um, they're catching some perch. Um, we've been seen some uh, crappie come out. Um, it's just been a, a really great year.
1: Well, it's always a good fishing year. Of course, the regulations, it has to be – 10 horse or less on a boat, right?
3: It is, yeah. If you have a bigger motor, we ask that you just keep it up and um, don't use it. But you can just have a, a kicker a electric motor to come out to Bar Lake.
1: Yep. In fact, um some of our kids were out there and grandkids were out there yesterday in a boat with an electric and a five-horse motor. And uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to find out how they did. But it's just great. Also great for kayaks and paddle boards because it ends up being wakeless because of the motor size. You do get some wind, though, at occasion, I understand.
3: You know, we do. So we're on the eastern plains. So you just have to, you know, know before you go. And it, when you see that storm coming in, just come to shore. We've had an in- increase in um, the paddle sports this year. Um, but, yeah, just be careful and, and watch the weather.
1: Now, you have a uh, a great archery range out there, and I was talking to the guys before you out at the new Cameo facility out on the West Slope, and they have added archery to their shooting out there. But you have a regular and a 3D range, I believe, at Bar Lake. And, you know, Nate Zelensky, who you know very well, we're big, big proponents of the 3D ranges, especially with archery hunting season coming. Tell us about your archery facilities.
3: Yeah, it's awesome. You know, we started our range in 2013. So we have a standing range that goes from 10 to 100 yards. And then we have our 3D range that there's 10 stations. Um, we have a stegosaurus, an alligator, an elk, a deer, all sorts of things you can shoot at. And it's a different, um, you know, you're down in a ravine or it's on top of the ravine. So just a really a great opportunity to get out, especially if you're, you know, you're going to go archery hunting. Um And one thing about our range, there's no extra fee to use it. You just pay your park pass, or if you have an annual pass, um, it's free. So it's great to come out and enjoy.
1: Now, one thing, we didn't tell people where Bar Lake is located. There's probably some listeners that don't know. Why don't you describe the location and describe the
3: park a little. Yeah, we did forget that. So um, we're just 25 minutes east of Denver. So we're in Brighton, Colorado. We're right off the I-76, so we're a quick day trip. Um, but just a little bit about Bar Lake. The whole Southern Inn is a wildlife refuge. We've had nesting bald eagles since 1986. Um, we have a trail that goes all the way around the lake. It's 8.8 miles. You can hike, bike, or horseback ride. Um, we have a wonderful nature center. We have picnic areas. Um, so there's just a lot to do to come out for the day.
1: Oh, there really is. And and even when the water gets drawn down, you get stocked with trout. As we get into the fall and it cools off, you get some pretty good trout fishing from shore there, if I remember right.
3: Yeah, we do. And, you know, once if the boat ramp does close, we'll still do hand launch. So you can launch your canoe or kayak still. So, yeah, so shore fishing really does get better here um, in the fall. So.
1: Now, you also, you have you know, COVID put a lot of kibosh on some of the programs and things, but a lot of parks are starting up programs again. Are you starting your programs up now?
3: We have. The last two weeks, we've been doing some junior rangers, some archery programs. Um, We have a couple events coming up in August. We have a health and fitness expo that's sponsored by the Brighton Chamber of Commerce. So there'll be different booths that you can go and learn information about being outdoors. Um, And then we're going to have a drive-in movie sponsored by the Friends of Our Lake. So, you know, we're really um, taking into account all the COVID regulations and want everyone to stay healthy and safe. So you'll have to have a reservation for everything, every program we do, because it's going to be limited on the number of people. So you'll go to our website or our Facebook page to register for any of those events.
1: A drive-in movie, huh? So I'll drive in. I bet I have to bring my own popcorn, though.
3: Yeah, you have to bring your own popcorn and stay. And we're even doing it where you sit in your car and, and then you get it on your radio station. So.
1: <laughs> well, that sounds pretty, pretty awesome. That'll be fun. That sounds like a great event. Michelle, we got to we're going to we're out of time. We got to run. But uh, I think the the message we're trying to get out is that with people getting outdoors, they have a great resource in Bar Lake that's you know, probably less than a half hour from where they live if they're in the metro area. And you can fish, you can walk, you can bird watch, you can animal watch. You even have some hunting later on in the fall. And there's just numbers of programs. It's just a great place to be. Thank you for joining us, Michelle.
3: Thank you, Terry. Have a great day.
1: You bet. Michelle Siebert, always uh, bubbly. And she just uh, has so much going on at that park. Um, We're going to take a time out. and we come back, uh, Steve Schweitzer is going to join us, and we're going to talk about some high country fly fishing and some other fly fishing. Steve's a noted author and and an experienced fly fisherman. Also, we got a question about uh, what line do I recommend for bait casting reels? I will try to address that in the next couple segments. It may be next hour before I get to it, but I will definitely talk about it before the end of the show on Line for Bait Casting Reels. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, serving the outdoor enthusiast for 65 years. We were in love, hold no far
4: from it. We were searching for some high in the sky song. We were just young and You're
1: and reaching back today, more. Kyle. Karen uh, helped music. me out a little bit,
2: so uh, got got some inside information from your producer there. So, uh, oh, you I, did. and I, she knows.
1: Yeah. She knows what I like. And now she we know what you to like it all the time. You're listening to Terry Oaks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Uh, joining us, he's an accomplished fly fisherman who's been involved in the industry for decades. He's an, a very well known author. His guidebooks to Rocky Mountain National Park and the Indian Peaks Wilderness are the standard for fly fishing guidebooks. And uh, he's also a friend and somebody I like to spend time on the water, which we don't do enough, and that's Mr. Steve Schweitzer. Good morning, Steve.
4: Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we haven't been on the water together or even had a bottle of wine and a steak in a long time.
4: Well, I'm on the water right now. I'm out at Horsetooth in your backyard, so when you're done, come out and find us.
1: I was gonna say I must have missed the phone call to come out. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And you did. <laughs> uh seriously though, um I know you were up in the high country. You and I talked during the week and you're really one of the the authorities on what's going on high country fishing in Colorado. And you you and I were talking and you said, Terry, it's on. Is that right?
4: Yeah. 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 Right now, it's on it's it's dry fly on even and that that's kind of some of the best high country fly fishing you can get into and it's the perfect time to take a, a young one out that just is wanting to get going on fly fishing because it's very visual you know you put the fly on top of the water the fish comes up you see it and you set the hook so it's a great time for family uh fishing as well
1: well you know um A lot of people would be just amazed in the high country at Rocky Mountain National Park or other parts of the Colorado Mountains at the size of a fly some of those small trout will get up and take when you're fishing those pools. (laughs) It's really amazing, isn't it? I mean,
4: tell people about some of the flies you use. So right now, if I were to go up into the high country, I wouldn't go without an ant pattern, like a size 18 ant pattern, a dry fly, and uh, size 14 elk air caddis. Um, and when those, if you fish those lakes, th- th- those two flies I just mentioned are great for uh, stream fishing. You know, fish in streams don't have a lot of time to, to really make a decision about eating something. If they see something floating, and it looks like a bug, they, they react pretty quickly. Um, but in a lake, the cruising fish along the shores have time to inspect what you're offering to them. So you have to go with a thinner tippet, like a five or a six X. And you have to go a little smaller and a little darker, uh, such as uh, like a brown midge or, uh, you know, size 18 or 20. And then uh, a griffiths gnat, size 18 griffiths gnat a great way to start uh, fishing for some dry flies on lakes. Now, you go to Rocky Mountain
1: National Park a lot, and I think a lot of people don't understand the diversity. Tell people that, you are know, fishing all the way from right by the road to hiking way in. Tell Tell us about a little bit of the diversity in Rocky Mount National Park.
4: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a lot of the fishing along the roads is going to be busy uh, this time of year because the park gets a lot of visitorship. Um, uh, so you, you might want to hike in a mile or two, which only takes you, you know, a half hour to an hour, depending on how fast you go, but it's not a big deal. Uh, most of the trails are very doable, not too steep until you start getting into the true high country above tundra and that takes a little extra effort but most of the trails are flanked with some sort of stream um, take you to several lakes so you get a little bit of a taste of both lake and stream fishing all in one day and and, you know four or five mile hike which isn't very very much uh, considering the park has trails you know a couple hundred miles of trails
1: well, a good way to find out about those trails and the fishing is uh, somebody wrote a book
4: about it. What was? Do you know anything about that? I might, just might, yeah. The, uh, my first book that came out uh, some 10 years ago now is uh, A Fly Fishing Guide to Rocky Mountain National Park. And it, it lists every trail that takes you to every fishable water and it even shares with you what waters don't have fish in them. Uh, typically, you know, some years, you might have a drainage that spills over and get, puts fish into a lake, but they often will freeze out. Um, and, of course, all the uh, uh, trails that flank uh, streams. Uh, so the book uh, really covers it all and is essentially a hiking guide for fly fishers.
1: You know, um, you, you also have a, a companion book about uh, Indian Peaks Wilderness Area. Before we move on, where can people find the books?
4: The best way is in uh, your local fly shop. It carries them here in the Denver area. Um, And then if they're out or don't have them in stock at the time, you can always get them on Amazon. That's an easy way to go get them.
1: And they're just, folks, the photography. Steve's not only an accomplished fly fisherman but a photographer, and the hours and months he spent photographing these places, it's a Soft cover book, but it's really a tabletop book. It's not a book you necessarily pick up and read cover to cover. It's a book you pick up and you look at the areas you might want to go, read about the trail, but you'll get just pulled in by the photographs. The photography is fantastic um, Steve uh, I think uh, two things I want to touch on before I let you go and you know everybody thinks about the rivers and the little cutthroats and the little brook trout in Rocky Mountain National Park. but if you throw in those higher alpine lakes. Um, there's a variety of fish and fishing, including uh, you can. I think you got a grand slam just recently.
4: Yeah, so uh, on uh, on Glacier Creek, which is uh, very accessible in Rocky Mountain National Park, got a grand slam last weekend, which is a brookier brown, rainbow, and a cutthroat. So uh, that was a fun little uh, fun little trip, and they were all on dry flies on little caddis. So it was very visual fishing. It's you know it's, it's exciting. Um, but if you want to go up higher in those lakes, uh, we fished the uh, Lock Vale last weekend and you can get into some of those bigger cutthroat that are you know, getting into the 12, 13, 14 inch range, which is a nice cutthroat for up there.
1: Oh, the absolute right. What about getting into the park?
4: Is it difficult right now? Oh yeah. Good question. Um, so you'll need a, a time slot, uh, entry permit in addition to your national parks pass. And that time slot, if you go up to the Rocky Mountain National Park website uh, uh, on uh, uh, on in the government website, I don't know the URL offhand, but um, just Google it. Um, they'll take there's a link that takes you to a place where you can get two hour time slots, and it costs you two dollars to get that and reserve it ahead of time. Um, and starting at 8 a.m. till 5 p.m., there's two hour time slots to get in each day. And if you don't have a ticket, they're not going to let you in. Um, but once you're in, you can go in and out as much as you want. So, uh, and I advise getting those ahead of time because they're sold out for the remaining of this, this coming week even. So, you know, it's the busy time of year.
1: Yeah. And, and once you're in, you mentioned you don't have to leave after that two hours, you're in for the day. Um, one last question. We have just a couple minutes left. Have you been doing any fly fishing besides the high country? And what have you seen going on out there?
4: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I spent quite a bit of time this past month, uh, four or five visits to Antero, uh, you know, grabbing some of those bigger cutthroats and rainbows um, on damselflies and those big granum caddis. And it was just exciting because it was almost all on top. Um, and I think the lake's about ready to turn over, so that the fishing has slowed down a little bit. But today we're out on Horse Tooth. Uh, we we're doing some equipment shakedown on a friend's bass boat. And we decided to fling a fly against the bank. We're, we're fi- uh, fishing crawfish uh, patterns uh, with a fly rod. And we've got about eight or nine to the boat already this morning. So little smallies. Not very big, but fun oh, to catch.
1: Hey, I, got, I said last question, but I lied. I do that a lot. But um, <laughs> I love this time of the year fishing hopper droppers. And there is a ton of hoppers out this year. How far up? Like places like the park and Indian peaks, can you go before the, the hoppers just become ineffective?
4: There isn't a stop, uh, stop to it. Uh, hoppers are carried when they're young in the springtime with anabatic winds, which basically are winds that lift, lift up due to the, the hot air rising, and carries bugs all the way up to the top lakes, and you'll see hoppers up there all summer. So that, that's a great idea, Terry. Fish a hopper dropper, and, and oh, you'll have a bunch of fun.
1: Well, you know what a hopper dropper does for me because you've seen me cast. Um, I can plop it down in the water. I don't have to make a delicate presentation. And with my old eyes, I can see that hopper from a distance. Where if I have a size twenty-two mayfly there, I you know I got to have binoculars to watch it. So, but it's, I love fishing hopper. I love fishing hopper droppers. Steve, let's you get back to the smallmouth. Thanks for the information. Thanks for joining us today.
4: Thanks for having me, Terry. Have a great day. You
1: bet Steve Schweitzer. You know, Google his books. You'll love his books are fantastic. In fact, I saw one on the shelf at Jack's when I was in there just the other day. So Steve Schweitzer, he's got he's got several books out. Hey, pick up his books, you'll really enjoy it. By the way, all the fishing we talked about at Rocky Mountain National Park is featured on my YouTube channel. I took horseback up to the high alpine lakes and fished it. I've used llamas to Um, go pack in to fish the small streams and i've fished the roadside streams Uh, we have three or four different shows on the best of fishing with terry wickstrom where we show you all those different entities we're going to take a quick time out and we come back nate zalinski is going to join us and we're going to talk some hunting on terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan